G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Do you understand the connection between ransom and childlike and wonder and how inextricably tied together they are? And the reason you don't experience, I don't experience, we don't experience the wonder of Christmas is because we've lost the wonder of God. If you don't develop a a, a wonder of the power and mercy of God, then Christmas will never have the meaning it's intended to have. Today. 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 Today with Jeff Vines, pastor, apologist, and Bible teacher. Do you remember what Christmas was like when you were a child? In this Christmas series, Pastor Jeff is rediscovering the wonder of Christmas. In this message, he's speaking about the joy that comes with childlike wonder. You can find all the messages in this series wherever you listen to podcasts. Join us now as we hear the rest of this message. Pastor Jeff has been reading from Mark chapter 10 from verse 13. I don't know if you've ever been to Washington, D.C., but in Washington, D.C., you have the Potomac River. It flows right through the center. It's quite famous historically as well as geographically. And there are a bunch of bridges that go across the river at 14th Street. And one of the bridges is named Arlen D. Williams. Do you know why? January 1982, Air Florida Flight 90 was taking off from Washington National. It had ice on its wings. This is before we were in the de-icing. It started to lose altitude, hit the 14th Street bridges, and went into the Potomac. When the helicopter arrived to rescue any survivors, the plane was quickly sinking into the ice-frozen river. You've got a photo of it here. The tail was sticking out of the water and everybody was drowning or had already drowned except for a few people in the tail of the fuselage, the aircraft. One guy, Arnold D. Williams, was the most visible, most alert, most accessible. So the people in the helicopter lowered the harness toward Williams in hope of saving at least one. But when they pulled up the harness, someone else was on it. They lowered it a second time, a third time, a fourth time. And every time, someone else was on the end of the harness. Every time, he gave his place of salvation to somebody else. All who were saved on that flight were saved right here, right then. And the last time they lowered the rope, no one came up. Arlen D. Williams gave to others his place of deliverance. He took the destruction that was coming upon them on himself. He gave them rescue. Now, why does that move us? Because that is the most morally beautiful thing that we know. In any story, fiction or nonfiction, the moral beauty of substitutionary sacrifice melts you, takes your heart, captivates you. And Jesus Christ says, other religions give you information. I give you a story. Other religions tell you God loves you, but you don't know why or how. Jesus says, I'll give you proof. And we're told that his ransom is the only thing that can truly break through 
into your selfishness and liberate you. This is where the liberation, remember we said the cross objectively pays your debt, but subjectively something happens inside you that changes you. This is it. Everything changes because through the cross, you finally know what you mean to God and what he's willing to do. And suddenly, all these other things that you're chasing, your appearance, your money, your relationships, your achievements, your positions are no longer the source of your significance. You move through your life liberated. You're freed up, man. Not by a general proposition, but by this. The fact that the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. That is the reason for Christmas. This is why he came. To pay the debt and to free the heart. Now here's the final question. How do we connect with that? Pastor Jeff, you've talked about forgiveness. I see that it's quite a conundrum and I see that God has solved it in the person of Jesus Christ. Justice has been met. Holiness has been answered. Love has conquered all. You've talked to us now about how it liberates us internally and it liberates us because we realize suddenly through a story how much God loves us. But how do we connect with that? And here's the answer. And it's the kickoff to the series by becoming a little child. You have to become childlike, not childish, childlike. Now, as we round third and head home, let me apply all of this. Let's bring it together because when you come into the world as a child, man, you're totally dependent. You're totally helpless, completely dependent on something outside of yourself. There's nothing you have to offer. And you have to not just know that Jesus paid your debt, you got to completely rely on his sacrifice through every aspect of your life. Think about it. When children come into the world, they don't come into the world negotiating. So when you come to Christ, you don't come negotiating saying, okay, Jesus, you did this for me. It's really cool. I'll do this for you. And together we'll solve my objective problem. No. Children look at the parents sometimes can't even put into words what it is they need. Completely dependent upon your wisdom and your compassion of a parent to figure it out. I love the passage in Romans 8 that says, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes. We are totally dependent, not only on salvation, on everything. And until you come to Christ like that, you'll never experience salvation and you'll never have a transformation of the heart. Stay with me now. When my... When my daughter-in-law, Jess, was pregnant, suddenly with the first child, uh, Ada, I started to think, oh man, it's been a long time, but now I'm suddenly remembering what kind of sacrifice is required by a parent when they have children. And now they're about to have their third. My granddaughter, little Ada, when she came into the world, deep need. I mean, she needed food and shelter and clothing and toilet training and a bath and hygiene and care and compassion. On the other hand, now stay with me, on the other hand, she came into the world expecting to be loved and accepted immediately, even before they had any, anything to really offer. Ada walks into a room and automatically assumes that all the adults want to hear what she has to say. She assumes that everyone, no matter who they are, young and old, intelligent, not so intelligent, that they're all interested in her thoughts and her actions. She's absolutely positive that everyone will find her completely captivating and interesting 
totally sure of acceptance and appreciation. Now here's what you need to see. If your view of yourself is too high, you'll not be dependent, totally dependent like a child. Like Ado, you and I are totally dependent. We need more than a good example, man. We need constant provision all the days of our lives. But on the other hand, if you have too low a view of what Jesus really thinks about you, of the depth of his love, then you're not spiritually childlike. If you think he's not interested in every thought and every action and every struggle that you have, then you're not childlike. The penny's not yet dropped. You've not truly seen your value because the cross shows you that you are loved and accepted and appreciated at your absolute worst. You know, the Bible college I attended when I was studying for ministry, I look back now, and of course, I look back in my 30s as well, and I realize something. I appreciate the education that I received, yes, but man, it was filled with self-righteous, arrogant, people who considered themselves to be better than everybody else. They had pride in academia. The professors gave us a sense of pride in the fact of knowledge. And there was almost no spiritual formation on campus. A personal in-depth relationship with Jesus was seldom talked about. It was about knowing all the answers to the difficult questions. And the reason there was no spiritual formation is the desire to seek and to know God intimately comes when you realize how desperate and dependent you really are. When you think you're pretty good or pretty smart, your dependence and reliance on God for anything diminishes. That's why we've often said religion is the enemy of the cross and of your soul because it gives you a false sense of security. Ah, now let all this come together. Now we have the cross. And in the cross... Somebody comes up to you, or so let's say somebody, let's use me as the example. Somebody comes up to me and says, Pastor Jeff, you know, I got to tell you, I really love you. I really love your sermons and you've changed the life of my family. Thank you. Now, I appreciate that and that's good for about a day. Why? Because when I get home, I've got the goods on me. I know that I'm really not that smart and I'm really not that good. And any way that I'm used is out of the grace and mercy of God. However, if my wife, who I've been married to for 37 years, comes up to me one day and says, honey, I got to tell you something. We've been married for 37, going on 38 years, and I've never told you this, but I need to tell you, I love you. And you, you know what? I consider myself blessed to have you as my husband. Now, if she says that, it changes everything. It changes me on the inside. Why? Because here's a woman who has all the goods on me. She knows me at my worst, my very worst. She doesn't only know the theory of what it is to be selfish. She's seen me act selfishly. She has seen me emotionally withdraw from her because I'm angry with her. She's seen me at my absolute worst and now she's telling me that I love you. Now, that will truly pass into me. This is the subjective reality of the cross. Objectively, I understand it paid my debt. Subjectively, suddenly I know that God has all the goods on me. He knows everything I've done, not only last year, but last night. He knows all of my thoughts. He says, I've seen you at your worst. And at the very same time, he says that. He's saying, look how much I love you. Look how much I'm for you. 
I know everything about you and I love you. Do you understand how valuable you are to me? Look at the cross. Until you are childlike, not childish, the power of the cross cannot come into your life. And the question I have, has it? Do you understand the connection between ransom and childlike and wonder and how inextricably tied together they are? And the reason you don't experience, I don't experience, we don't experience the wonder of Christmas is because we've lost the wonder of God. Somehow along the way, we started thinking we belong because we're good. That we're righteous enough to be received and accepted by God himself. We stopped seeing ourselves for who we really are. Sinners, undeserving. But that's what grace is. Do you understand that God has the goods on you all the time? Not just 10 years ago. And he still loves you. He still accepts you, receives, he still, his hand is still on you. He's still going to do awesome things in you and through you. If that doesn't change you, if that doesn't transform you on the inside, if you don't develop a, a wonder of the power and mercy of God, then Christmas will never have the meaning it's intended to have. Now, just quickly in the few minutes we have left here, if you understand this, then you're going to know the three things that you want most of all in this life, intimacy, assurance, and a hope and future or an inheritance. You're going to know intimacy because it's going to finally dawn on you that the all-powerful creator of the universe who sustains every atom in existence moment by moment is interested in everything that you're feeling and thinking at any given moment at all times. And although he has all the goods on you, he still loves you, accepts you because of the cross. Look, I can tell you right now, you know what this is like. If you're a grandparent or a parent, you know what this is like because there's nothing Ada could do that would separate her from my love. Nothing. Nothing. Even though there are times she asks me for chocolate and she knows I'm not supposed to give her any, and then I do, and then she goes and tells on me to her mother. Even though there are times that she acts selfishly toward me, that I want to talk to her, but she's not interested because she's doing something else. She's too busy. Even though I know there are times she tries to manipulate me. In all those times, at the same time, I still treasure her. I still love her. Jesus said in Luke 11, trying to explain this, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, I like to say also grandchildren, how much more will your father in heaven give good gifts to you? Do you think that God, God's love for you coincides with how good you've been? Then you're going to lose the wonder of God and the wonder of Christmas, the wonder of the incarnation. He knows that you're not good, <laughs> that you struggle with so much. And yet subjectively, that should change you when you know that he still loves you. That's why the relationship between father and son and father and daughter is a constant example in the scriptures to show you what God is like. You'll also know assurance. You begin to see that God is Abba Father, that he's the father who loves us more than we could ever imagine, forgives us more than we could ever dream, is interested in our lives more than we could ever hope. He's our daddy. That's what Abba means. He's dad, daddy. And that kind of assurance should enable us to go to God knowing that at any moment, at any time, he hears us and we'll meet our needs. You say, well, Pastor Jeff, I want, I want a God who will give me whatever I ask for. And he doesn't. And my response is that's because he's your father. 
Do fathers always give their children what they ask for? No, why? Because they love them. And finally, you will know inheritance. Because if we are his children and he is our father, we have an incredible future. In the New Testament world, there was a phrase that goes like this, the heir gets the lion's share of the father's wealth. And Paul tells us in Romans 8, 17, now if we are children, then we are heirs. Then we are heirs. And the imagery, Paul is saying that God has something in store for us, not because we're good, but because he loves us. And it's so grand and it's so glorious that it will be, and it will feel as though we each had alone gotten the most of the glory of Christ and his kingdom. Don't you see? Embrace the cross and it'll liberate you. It will bring peace and free your heart. And you will stop this nonsense of perpetually trying to prove that you matter. And guys, I say to you men, especially, why have you lost the wonder of things like Christmas? And the answer is because you can't enjoy it for what it is. You can't enjoy the gifts of God for what they are. So money and power and sex, relationships, recreation, marriage, children, all of it, you're using those as a means to an end that you'll never accomplish. The perpetual effort to use what God has given you to gain the acceptance and love of others. That's where liberation comes in. Stop using those things. Go live and enjoy your life knowing that you've got the love and acceptance of the king. Remember what we said? Why would you seek the approval of the peasants when you have the love and acceptance of the king? You want wonder? You want wonder back? Stop and think about your life and all that you've done and all your struggles and your many failures and then stop and think about that doesn't change the reality of God's love for you. And you will say, wow, that's awesome. That's too wonderful to imagine, to believe. And yet the cross gives you objective proof. And it's meant to be catalytic in causing a subjective reality that God loves you in ways you can't imagine, like a father does a child, like a grandparent does a granddaughter, a grandson. You know, I had a friend in Chattanooga, Tennessee. We developed a relationship back uh, probably when I was in my mid-30s. He was a great golf coach, a great golf player, and I really respected him. And I remember one day, you know, he charges a ton of money for lessons. But one day I told him, I said, you know, I'm struggling with my golf swing. Can I book a lesson? He said, what? Book a lesson? Jeff, go get your clubs and I'll take you down to the range and we'll spend the whole day and we'll sort this out. We'll hit balls until we figure it out. And I said, why would you do that? He goes, because I love you, you hammerhead. <laughs> you know what? I think sometimes God wants to say, look, you're accepted, you're loved. I know you got struggles. I got all the goods on you, but I've proven to you that I love you. Do you think that's going to stop? But God, why would you forgive me? Why would you give me this kind of grace? Why would you send your son? Because I love you, you hammerhead. How amazing it is to understand and here's what we forget, that grace is like water. It flows downward. Well, stay with me. This is the end, but I need you to grapple with this. You know, Jesus made a statement in the scripture. He says, truly, I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. Now, why does he use that in Matthew 21, 31? Well, because in Jesus' day, those guys 
believed that prostitutes and tax collectors were at the very bottom of the spiritual barrel. And Jesus is trying to say that the grace and the love and the mercy of God is so deep. It's like in East Tennessee, we have these waterfalls and there's just a trickle at the top. But as they continue, if you hike up the top of the mountain, as as they continue to trickle down, they join other streams and rivers. And by the time they get to the bottom, they're powerful. But even on the way down, as it moves downward, they cut paths into the trees and and the fields and even through rock because the downward force is so powerful. The Bible tells us that no matter how low we sink, grace flows to the lowest part because it's powerful. And I don't know where you are in your life. I don't know what you've done. And I don't know where you've been, but I can tell you this. If you want to regain the wonder of what we're going to talk about in this series, if you want to recapture the wonder, it starts with recapturing the wonder of God. And what happened on that cross to give you objective proof of the depth of his love for you? If I can love Ada, no matter what she does, my granddaughter, if my love never stops and I'm human and I'm evil and I'm frail, Luke chapter 11, how much more is God able to love and accept and to work his way in and through your life, no matter what you've done last year, last night? When I was a kid, we'd go to church on a Sunday night. We always sang the same song for the decision time. And still today, when I hear this song, it does something. Something happens inside. Just as I am and waiting not to rid my soul of one dark blot to thee whose blood can cleanse each spot, O Lamb of God, I come. Just as I am, thou wilt receive, wilt welcome, pardon, cleanse, relieve, because thy promise I believe, O Lamb of God, I come. I come. If you can become like a little child again and know that you're totally dependent on Jesus, not only for salvation, but for every moment. And if somehow over the course of your life and your relationship with Christ, the light comes on, the pity drops, and you start to stop having too low a view of the love and the depth that Jesus has for you, then I'm telling you that somewhere along the line, you will stand amazed and you will worship like you've never worshiped before because you'll know this God has all the goods on you and you will stand in awe and wonder that he loves you and will never give up on you and will be with you. And when you become amazed at that kind of mercy and grace, you'll regain the wonder of God and you'll recapture the wonder of Christmas. I hope and pray somehow, somewhere along the line that the penny drops. And this is the best Christmas you've had in a long time. Father, thank you for the power of the word, for the objective reality of the cross of Jesus Christ, whereby God forgives us. The fact that he paid our debt And he did so because he loves us more than we could ever imagine. And so subjectively, there's something happens to us, for us. Total acceptance, love, and liberation to live, knowing that we are loved by the Father. 
You've been listening to Today with Jeff Vines. Next time, we'll bring you a new message from Pastor Jeff. You can listen to more messages like this. Just search for Today with Jeff Vines wherever you get your podcasts. You make me Today. 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 Today with Jeff Fines. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.